Welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. This is Dr. Jay Calvert and Dr. Millicent Ravello coming to you today with a very special podcast that I have been looking forward to doing. Dr. Ravello, are you ready for this? I think so. This is a podcast that we have been bouncing around for months now, and I keep putting it off because I have been hesitant about the direction it's going to go. (laughs) Because it's such an important topic, um, and I don't want in any way, shape, or form for it to come across as offensive to anyone. Um, But it's something that every single week we're like, yeah, we got to do that podcast because it comes up again and again and again and again. And the topic is... You don't know. <laughs> no, you don't know. Okay, you, so you got to give the reference for that. <laughs> well, it was before Louis C.K. got canceled. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> he's very canceled now. Yeah, so please don't cancel us for yeah, referencing him. <laughs> we, we, this is just, it's, it's a very important thing because, and it's not that we're, we're not comparing our patients to three-year-olds. No. But Louis C.K. used to do this thing about his three-year-old telling him about the information about a certain cookie, about mm-hmm. a fig newton. Mm-hmm. Because the kid would say, no, daddy, they're called pig newtons. <laughs> and, of course, he would say, really? They're pig newtons? Does it taste like a pork cookie? Try it. Oh, it tastes like figs. Imagine that. Dude, I'm not even using my brain. I'm just reading the box that the thing came out of. <laughs> and a lot of times, I've often feel, especially with my internet savvy, super Google patients, super Google, Mm -hmm. like Google to the nth degree, that they are telling me that they are pig newtons. (laughs) And it's it's true. And so this is the problem that we have across not even just plastic surgery. We could have this discussion with any of our other medical colleagues. Because and our dental colleagues. And our dental colleagues. I know that my dental colleagues tell me that they are often instructed on how, how to do to veneers, do how procedures. to do root canals, yes. that they are instructed by patients. And, and it is. It's, it's an issue. It's a problem because, yes, we want our patients to be well-informed and we love it when you have come to us doing some research and being informed about the procedure you're going to have. But getting a degree from Google in a weekend is not the same as going to medical school and doing a residency and a fellowship and many years of practice. Because so much of what we do actually does go back in some way, shape, or form to those fundamentals that were learned in medical school, that first year of medical school, wound healing, biology, chemistry, pathology. All of that actually plays a huge role in what we do in our common everyday practice. And without that fundamental knowledge, you can't necessarily dictate your treatment and your care. Without having done hundreds of thousands of surgeries and procedures, you don't know how to do the surgery. You don't. You just... You don't. You just... I know. Don't. And I know that it seems very simple because, uh, like, I was on a, a call with a patient recently and and he was lecturing me on how to fix his nose. Oh, well, you're going to do this. You need a caudal septal extension graft and then you can do it this way and you can add this on there. And, and I was just like... 
and I'm listening to him. And I was like, wait, wait a second, are you a plastic surgeon? And I, and I didn't ask it facetiously because I was like, maybe I forgot that this guy right. was a plastic surgeon and he's literally telling me how to do it. And I waited till he answered. He goes, oh, no, I'm not a plastic surgeon. I was like, oh, okay. Because if you were, that's the worst idea <laughs> I have ever heard. I said, those ideas that you just laid down are disastrous. Who would even say those things as a plastic surgeon? Yet, I believe based on how emphatic he was, I was like, wait, maybe this guy does breast surgery. Like, like I must have forgotten that he's a plastic surgeon because he's telling me these things. But in in fact... He was not a plastic surgeon, and his ideas were totally, completely ludicrous, and not even close to surgically viable, and not yeah. even close to being what he needs. Yet, so like like the arrogance of the and the and the and just not even a hint that maybe I might have some leg up on him in terms of how to get this operation done. It was really bizarre. Yeah, it's it's hard. It's a real challenge because it seems like maybe you should know because it's your body and you've done all the research, but you can't you can't negate the experience no. of your doctors and or if anyone in any specialty, whether it's your car, or your plumber, or you know whoever, like it's what they do. Like just trust that you've been referred to them and other people have had a good experience that yes. maybe maybe they know what they're doing. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> there's, there's something about having done 5,000 rhinoplasties that counts for something. Maybe. Maybe. And, that's and maybe not, it doesn't. That's not to say that there can't be a discussion totally. and a collaboration. I'm thinking of one patient I have in particular who I have... She has, a, she has a very real ongoing problem and she and I have been working together for a couple years now and I have an idea about things that I think will work for her. And then she has her own ideas. And I tell her, and I'm like, well, this is what I want to do next. And blah, 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 blah. And she'll look at me and she'll be like, okay, I hear what you're saying. But what if we could do this somehow? And I'll look at her and I'll be like, hmm, not a bad idea, but we have to tweak it like this. And between the two of us, we'll come to an arrangement because you know, there are multiple ways of treating various problems and I don't think it's wrong to necessarily compromise as long as I'm okay with the medical, surgical, sound reasoning of what I'm going to do. Of course. So I would never do something that I thought wouldn't work. But I'm also happy to, you know, tweak things if it makes her feel a little bit better. And so there's a respect on both of our parts. I respect what she's saying. And then at the end of the day, she right. respects my medical sound judgment. And she will always, 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 always go back to what I say. And if I say, that's an awful idea. We can't do this. She says, okay. Well, and that, that's the thing is like, I'm the last person to say, I have all the answers of how to do this because I know better. And anybody that does surgery especially the revision surgery that we do, that we do in, in noses and faces and breasts, and breasts <laughs> we know that you, you can't be arrogant, yeah. that you can't be cocky about it, that you have to believe that there are problems that can arise. You have to understand that. And so when, when a, a person with no medical background, let alone not a plastic surgeon, let alone not a doctor. having done the experience, not even a doctor, <clears throat> starts telling you how to do the surgery. It's bizarre because, you know, and, and, I, and I liken this to 
you know, and this this came up with the coronavirus with vaccinations and with with immunologic science, which I am not an expert in. But I liken it to if you took three or four, let's say four, five-year-olds, and you put them out on the tarmac with an F-16 fighter plane (laughs) and with a ladder going into the cockpit, the odds that those five-year-olds are going to be able to fly that F-16 fighter, get it off the ground, land it, and live to tell the story is zero. Uh, maybe less. Maybe less than zero. They may, ne- they, that, <laughs> they may never get the thing to move. It's right. not that easy. Yeah. If they do, they'll probably die. <laughs> but the, the knowledge necessary to fly that F-16 fighter jet is so extensive. Right. And, and so rich and so deep that it's just not possible. So how is it that that a, that somebody who's read some stuff on Google or on Reddit or whatever is now going to dictate their care? It's impossible. You just can't. You can't. You just can't. And, and it's hard to get that. I know. I know that there. Right now, there are people going. <laughs> I totally can. I, I. You know. I know. I know what I need. I know what I need. I know. They're pig newtons. I got it. <laughs> they are. And and you know what? That's that's the way it is. And and so the problem is that that interferes. And so it interferes with your understanding of what you need to do, what needs to happen. I just had a patient that I operated on 4 weeks ago. Their sixth operation, they had a total nose, total septal reconstruction. I operated on them for a small revision. It is f- 6 weeks out. Maybe 5. And they're telling me that their breathing isn't good. And I was like what part of this takes a year to heal, number one, maybe two, didn't you understand? And what part of you're going to be swollen in your airway for three to four months when we do this reconstruction, At did you least. not hear? Yeah. And so that, that's the problem is the non-listening, the, non, the non-comprehension, the yeah, 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 I got it, I got it. And now all of a sudden you're in it. And that's a problem for patients, especially the revision patients. So when these things are laid out to you, you can't say, well, that's going to be somebody else. It's not. You know, there's, a, there's an emotional, in my, in my pre-op packets, I think that you have them also, right? There's a, an emotional roller coaster diagram of how, like, you're going to have your surgery, then you're going to be depressed, and you're going to be tearful, and you won't know why, and then, then it'll come <laughs> back up, and then you'll feel better, and then, you know, in six weeks, you'll be, you'll be doing better emotionally. That happens to everyone. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you take all the antidepressants in the world. You can't escape the emotional roller coaster that comes with surgery. Your, your circadian rhythm's thrown off. Your hormones are thrown off. Your, your mood is thrown off. Those things will happen to you no matter who you are, no matter how hard you say, that's not going to be me. We tell you it's going to be you because it's going to be you. So you should be prepared for that and not be shocked when it happens. It's just, it, it, is, it is so. We've done this before. We have tremendous experience. And that's why I think it's really important for people to listen like we're actually giving them information that matters. Listen, and if there is, you know, it's, it's, not, um, it's not wrong to maybe doubt what someone tells you sure. because you want to make sure you're getting right information. So if that means that you have to go to a couple different consults, Definitely. then do that. Definitely. Because that might be what you need. And if you have the majority of your consulting physicians telling you, 
more or less the same thing, then maybe that's that's what it is. Now, granted, you could go to 10 plastic surgeons and get 10 different options, but there's probably going to be a common thread amongst all of them about what you need. It, it's very important to hear the information and to digest it and understand what it is that's being explained to you about what you've signed up for because you are going to go through it. Yeah. You are having surgery. And this is why we felt this podcast was important because I see a lot of people get derailed in their post-op care because they just didn't believe it or they didn't listen or they didn't they didn't really take it in. They it's not that they, they didn't, didn't listen. They heard they it. They heard it. They just didn't think it applied to them. <laughs> right. It's for somebody else. I get that. I do that a lot. <laughs> I was, <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> I was hiking one time and I saw a sign that said Hollywood sign four miles this way. And I'd already been hiking for like two. And I was like, four miles. That doesn't apply to me. I got this. <laughs> it was like, I literally in my head thought, it's not four miles from here. <laughs> it is. They didn't write it because the, let's just tell them it's four miles. <laughs> July in the middle of the summer at noon I had no water I didn't have a hat and I was like it's fine it's not really four miles no it was four miles but it was guess what it was and and they you know and I came back they had that sign there for a reason dehydrated sunburned eight miles later eight miles later (laughs) but literally that thought it came to my that doesn't that doesn't apply to me I would also <laughs> do a recall to the uh, operating two days after your operation. <laughs> oh, yeah. When you told me that I couldn't and I said, well, that doesn't apply to me. <laughs> I can operate two can days after a surgery. That's not a big deal. I mean, I could. <laughs> you did. I did. I just got a lot more swollen not afterwards. That's necessarily <laughs> the best idea. That's all. So that's the thing. I, it's not that I want people to not do... and and. I, I, this is another pet peeve of mine. Can I can I just add one more? Sure, go for it. While while we're just you know kind of having a, you know just a blasting of internet terminology. I hate the term research. <laughs> oh I know where this God, is going. I can't stand that. <laughs> so term. I've done my research. I've done my. Oh really? You did a controlled uh, double blinded tru- con, uh, mm-hmm. placebo controlled trial. Did you do a PubMed did, study? Really? Did oh, you yeah. cross reference? You did a power study. Yeah. And you you uh, set up a uh, control group and you've done your research on which is the best way to. No, you you didn't do research. You read stuff. Yeah. You read. You you look things up. You referenced. Research has a whole different meaning to me and i i know what you mean when you say i did my research i get it but there was some guy that like lit somebody up i was uh, i was watching it was it was some news show and i I can't remember what channel or what it was but this doctor just lit up some casual internet researcher person Mm -hmm. like oh you did your research that's what that is oh really oh how'd you do that you know and just laid into this person about having done their research and it was a lay person against a physician which it just there there's no chance that you're going to get one over on the guy from the nih on your research on whatever the topic was when that's literally their lives it it was like uh, i mean those were fighting words and this guy did not stop he just he just blasted this person and because we are from day one from college medical 
pre-med courses to medical school to residency to fellowship blah 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 blah. we live and die by research you have to do research to get into medical school you have to do research to get into residency you have to do research to get into fellowship you have to do research to keep your academic position like we live and die by research and we have you know whole what do we call them? Journal clubs every month where we review right. recent papers. Like that is not a term that we take lightly. No, we do not take it lightly. Because it means something to us. It means that the work that we are currently doing to take care of our patients comes from a basis of sound medical and scientific knowledge that we are very familiar with and ingrained right. in and take very highly. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> so when somebody says, I did my research... <laughs> Right. Well, no, you read some stuff on Google that are the opinions of others and maybe you digested it. Maybe you maybe you broke it down. Maybe you evaluated those those opinions. But research is a whole different animal. And that's why I I mean, I I just, you know, I get it. You know, oh, I read some stuff on Google that said this or that or whatever. That's that's very different than kind of the terminology that we see. And it's not that you shouldn't say that. It's okay to say that. Totally we, we totally know what that yeah, means. Yeah. We know what you mean. And when I say I did, you know, nine years of research, you know, throughout my medical school and, and residency, that's, that's different. That means that I, you know, wrote up protocols and I got grants and, and I, you know, had uh, power studies and statisticians involved, and we looked at how we were going to evaluate the question that we were trying to answer, blah, blah, blah. But when you say, like, well, I read some stuff on Google, is like, doing my research, we, we understand. It's okay. Yeah, we get it. It's okay. Yeah. The thing is, is that what you read might not have been the right source because you must consider the source. Or it might not have been the right information for you as the patient. Because that's, that's very important as well Because not a cookie cutter thing Every patient is going to have A completely unique set of needs And treatment options 100% And I will give the example Of the resident who gave the lecture on otoplasty And read only one reference Of a very obscure book Written by a guy from Argentina <laughs> And then gave the lecture on otoplasty To the UCI faculty Which at the time included David Furness Famous for the Furness setback a very important technique in otoplasty yes. used very commonly today. And this resident gave the entire lecture from one obscure book, textbook written by a guy of a technique that nobody uses. And that's how he said to do otoplasty right in front of David Furness. And the late Bruce Ackauer, rest his soul, uh, said, you know something? It's incredible to me that you could just give this otoplasty talk without bringing up David Furness with David Furness sitting right in front of you and not talking about the Furness setback. He goes, that's amazing. He goes, that just shows how narrow your vision is and how little time you spent preparing this lecture. And so you expose yourself sometimes when you say things like, well, I read blah, blah, blah. And you know that that source is from some place that's, you know, may or may not be a good source or whatever. Or, well, I read in, you know, the national Enquirer that, you know, you should have, you know, a rhino a scarless rhinoplasty well you know okay let's go to the next level let's go to the where the information is let's try to see what it is that you're trying to 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 ask me because maybe that's not the source that you need to decide about techniques for your rhinoplasty right in a very roundabout and long-winded way, what we're saying is that there might be some information you're going to gain from your consultation that didn't appear on google 
Just maybe. Just maybe. (laughs) Um, And I I hope that nothing here was offensive. That was not the objective at all because we do love our patients. Um, And we genuinely, genuinely, genuinely want to take the absolute best care of them that we can. So that's why we try and do the best we can. And sometimes it's not helpful to get that pushback from an... um, less than knowledgeable source. Well, it's not even the pushback. It's it's the, like, you need to do it this way. That's the part where I'm like, oh, do I? <laughs> I mean, it's just, no. I, I, I until you're, I, I mean, I did have that happen two weeks ago. A patient said, what you need to do is this. I need a graft placed here and I need it done like this. And that's going to make me better. And I said, that's what I need to do. Yeah, and and then the, that was followed with a. That's what I've been telling everybody. None of the previous surgeons will listen to me. That's Ooh. why I'm having trouble with this and that. And I was like, Oh, okay. Time out. When did you complete your ENT residency? <laughs> well, I I did. I'm not. I'm not a doctor. Okay, so then directing. This, the operation is going to make this really difficult because that's not how surgery works. It just, it's, it, it seems like it should, it seems like it should be Lego pieces, right? But it's not, but it's not. It there's, seems like there's, it so, there's so, there's, there's oh, so much there's more. Just some Legos. I we know. just pop them out put of a box together and, and put them together and be fine. Whoop, Millennium Falcon. There you go. No, it doesn't work that way. But that's why I would say go see a couple different Surgeons get more opinions. Maybe if that will help alleviate the anxiety and give you the confidence you need in any one of those surgeons, then that would be the best option. That way you, because we do want you coming in with full confidence in whoever is treating you and who's operating on you. And if it means that you need to see a few to get confidence in one of them, then great. Sounds like a plan. Well, with that, this is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the 9021. You don't know. Thanks for listening to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. If you want to reach Dr. Ravello or myself, we're available for consultations. We can also be reached through the websites. Dr. Ravello, what's your website? My website is rovelloplasticsurgery.com. And the phone number to reach us here in the office is 310-954-1355. And I do want to mention Rock Spa, which is the sponsor, truly the financial backer of this podcast. And Rock Spa is the Medispa that's located both in Newport Beach and Beverly Hills, providing Botox, fillers, lasers, microneedling, esthetician services like hydrofacials. We have incredible people. They do great stuff. And I highly recommend taking a look at the websites, rockspanewportbeach.com or rockspabeverlyhills.com. All the information is also on my website, drcalvert.com.